Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Yesterday, Della Millard's lawyer gave their closing arguments in the Tim Bosma murder trial. And, of course, now it is Smitch's lawyer's turn to provide closing arguments. Let's go down to the courthouse. Alex Pearson is with us covering the Tim Bosma murder trial. She's with us now. Hello, Alex. How are you today? Hello, sir. I'm well. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We always appreciate this. Uh, I know you're busy down there. Uh, Lots of he said, she said, um, uh, he did it, no, he did it sort of thing that we've heard. Uh, At the end of the day, does any of that matter? Because we don't need to know who actually pulled the trigger to get a conviction. Well, yeah, we've gone through that, that they can both be part of a plan and they can both be part of the execution of this and then, of course, the cleanup and they can be you know, found guilty of first-degree murder. I'm just wondering why they're spending so much time, each lawyer, blaming the other guy when it's irrelevant anyway. Well, because you want to get your client a lesser degree. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go down for first-degree murder? Let's be honest, you know, uh, it's, a long, it's a long time in jail. So uh, if they can get their clients down to something else like manslaughter and or uh, second degree, that would certainly be a little bit better in their minds. I mean, there's no disputing that these two men were in a truck with Tim Bosman and someone shot him, and he died because of that. So now it is, you know, uh, can the Crown prove there was an actual plan to kill um, and so we have not heard from the Crown. Of course, we spent the day yesterday listening yeah. to the Millard team. We didn't get uh, a chance to chat, to chat yesterday. Can you give us a little bit of a brief update of what did happen yesterday? Do you know how long ago that is, Scott? Yeah. That is painful. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, I apologize. Oh, that's like 24 hours. I know. I apologize. <laughs> well, what we did was... Um, Mr. Pillay, who I thought did a very, very good job, he was very, very clear, very, very concise, and he took four months of testimony and really kind of wrapped it up neatly in a bow, according to them, for this jury. Uh, and what they said was that Delano Lard did not do this. It was Mark Smitch, kind of a loser in life who had nothing left, who screwed up this, this truck theft and pulled the gun out. I mean, why would Della Millard be part of that? He had so much to live for. He was a millionaire, after all. Um, and he's too smart to get wrapped up in this kind of thing. He owned a business. He had millions of dollars. And, of course, if he wanted to get a truck, he could just buy a truck. I mean, why would he spend, you know, $15,000 mm-hmm. on an eliminator, another 8000 to retrofit it to make it uh, portable? If he wanted a $23,000 truck, that just doesn't simply add up. They said the reason he made so many dumb mistakes was because he was caught off guard. He never expected a man to die on that night of May 6th, and that's why stupid things started happening uh, and mistakes started happening, uh, and he was fumbling around to try to cover it up and clean it up, because why would he take the truck back to the hangar where all his employees were? Why would he have the eliminator out and, and have you know evidence floating around? Why would he take the truck to his mother's? I mean, these were last-minute decisions he had to make because he was cleaning up the mess for Mr. Smitch. Okay, fast forward back to today and <laughs> yes. uh, the other side of the brain. Uh, how is it different today, what we heard yesterday? Talk about so Smitch's better. lawyer. We'll talk about old school and new school. I mean, Mr. Pillay read his uh, closing argument uh, off of a transcript, which there's nothing wrong with. It's just an experience thing, and, and, and some lawyers do it that way, and it was like down to the letter. But he read his closing argument, which he, of course, would have written. Uh, but stylistically, you cannot compare these two lawyers. Dungey has notes. I don't think he's looked at them once. It's quite incredible that this guy steps up there to the podium, mm. and in his, you know, what we've come to know as his kind of theatrical style, 
he gets quiet and then he bellows and then he gets quiet and he bellows, but he's not looking at any notes. He's just like doing this freestyle, like the raps that Mr. Smith put together on his uh, groovy wow. album. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible to see how he's able. I can't even literally remember what I had for dinner last night. And this yeah. guy's whipping out all sorts of stuff mm. that he's obviously versed in, but it just goes to show you the different styles and the different. Um, techniques and, and, and the different type of seasoning. I mean, he's a very seasoned lawyer, but he has gone through several areas, and he's completely de- debunked, um, <clears throat> or, or he believes he's debunking the crown theory, that, that these two men uh, you know, pulled out of the driveway of the Bosma home and Tim Bosma was shot and killed there, and yet he says, hold on a second, no gunshots are heard, you know, no blood is found, no blast. This is a field that was thoroughly investigated by police. Like, a hundred officers were out combing this field, and no one found a shard of glass from a blown-out window, no gunshot residue, not a drop of blood, nothing. How did this happen? It doesn't make any sense. Then he went into, uh, you know, he actually did quite a job mocking the witnesses in this case who are not to be believed, calling them, you know, clownish and, and out to protect themselves, lying pretty much over everything, uh, pointing out that, you know, Andrew Michelski, uh, Matt Hagerman, uh, all these people blubbering to the police and, and, and yet lying to them over and over and over again. Um, so really, how much can we believe of them when they say that Smitch told them that he screwed up, he screwed up? He spent a lot of time <clears throat> on those letters, those very damning letters, uh, by Mr. Millard, where in them he said there's no question that this is a man, uh, a demented man, a criminal mind. And he was pretty damning in, in, in describing Della Millard of the depths of his manipulation and his conniving nature, that he would write these different scenarios and, and they were to be, you know, given to Mr. Michalski of how he can change the story to say mm. that Mr. Smith said something else in order you know, show them that he uh, is being framed. So, so Mr. Dungey was clearly saying, this is such proof that my client was being framed by this guy who's writing letters and telling his girlfriend to destroy them. And thank God they weren't destroyed. Because had they been destroyed, we wouldn't know the depth of this criminal mind. It was really quite something. Hmm. Uh, where else did he go? He spent a lot of time. He, he, he is fast. If there's one thing I can say... He is so fast in, in what he goes through. So he gets through a lot. He's actually almost finished, uh, according to what he had uh, told me just before lunch. Um, but he also goes to the scenario of, like, why would a plan to kill somebody, why would these people tell anybody about it? If you're going to kill somebody, you're not going to be showing your friends the truck you're planning on stealing. You're not going to draw attention to yourself. You know, even the dumbest of thieves would have more sense. Uh, than this. So, I mean, I think he worked through a lot of, you know, really, really interesting uh, scenarios. And he was very quick to point to the jury that just because you hear a suggestion, just because you hear a theory, I don't care. It's not evidence. My client got up and gave evidence. Mr. Millard did not. You are only to believe the evidence of this case and not the theories and the suggestions of the Crown and of the Millard Council. Hmm. Any chat of the gun? <laughs> Or the, nope. you know, where the gun is, any of that stuff, the bearing of the gun? Not yet. We have not gotten that yet. Um, so I, I assume that that's the area that's really, I, I, I'm kind of trying to go through it, but it's really the one area that we have not gotten to yet. We've gotten through uh, Marley Manese's words. We've gotten through, um, you know, how, how the jury can come to its decision. 
um, and we've gone through the scenarios of why on why this is not Mr. Smith's fault. And so I'm not sure where else he's got to go other than than where you know his rationale rationale for the gun just going missing. Does Smith's lawyer react to the Crown, or does he react to what Millard's lawyer said ahead of him because he's got the advantage of going second, or does he just he knows what his narrative is and he's just going to stick to that? I mean, this is not a Q&A, so there's no rebuttal yeah. that happened in this. So Mr. Millard's team went yesterday, and it was, you know, not, uh, you know interruption-free. Right. Same courtesy is given to both uh, the, uh, Mr. Dungy as well as Crown tomorrow. Um, but would he use information but, that he might have heard while Millard, Millard's yeah. lawyer was, in, and, you know, and add that to it? Is there an advantage to going second? might have. I mean, the way he's freestyling it, I mean, he's going off the top of his head. And so yeah. if he is making additions, then he's he, he, certainly he would be implementing them and saying, look, this, this notion, um, you know, that my client, you know, went out there purposely to shoot someone when he had just told his girlfriend he'll be back in two hours. It's just nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. And there's no proof that my client was in the back seat of that truck. There's no proof at all. There's no evidence. There's no DNA. So, yeah, he's, he's, he would have used that as kind of a guide to make sure he's on the right track. But they would have had these things written ahead of time. They, they're not written in a night. Yeah. And these closings are a really, really arduous task to do. It's a lot of work. But they will tweak them where they think maybe an area has been weakened or maybe where their client is a little bit more vulnerable. Certainly the crown is listening intently uh, as to where they're being flawed or where uh, their kind of theory is being poked apart, and they'll shore that up tomorrow. But again, right. they've done most of the work ahead of time. What's interesting um, is the body language. I mean, Mr. Smith, they both face the jury and both look intently at the jury. Uh, Mr. Smith is motionless. Millard seems to be a little more agitated, and when I see that, say that, I mean, he's rolling his eyes and such at some of the things because he's being really kind of... Uh, as Mr. Dungy has done in the past. I mean, he's being decimated here as this, this evil mind, this manipulative, this, you know, criminal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been called all sorts of names, and he kind of reacts to that. Uh, does, do, do the different approaches play to the jurors differently? And I guess you really can't answer this, but, you know, you talked about how they have very much freestyle, one was, or very much different styles. One was uh, reading more, the other ones seemed to, to, to do it more ad lib or, or certainly had it memorized in some way. Um, d- does, does one of those seem more credible than the other? Um, I, I, I've got to be honest. They've both done a pretty fantastic job. Yeah. Both of these lawyers. Have done so the two st- two different styles wouldn't style. so yeah. that they wouldn't come into play. I, I think it's a I think it's a choice thing. Uh, I mean, there's no question. Dungy has more experience. He's got you know 40 years in the business. So, um, and I might be even robbing him of a few years. There's no question. He is a, a seasoned seasoned lawyer. Um, and he has just kind of taken on this kind of little cult following down here where people know that when he gets up, that he's going to be very convincing. And there are a lot of people who I talked to last night uh, out of my tweets or, or in conversation who said, you know, I, I believe Pelé. That's a completely believable story. Even my husband said, you know, I can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. And I always say, wait until you hear the other two sides, because all those people now today are probably going to say, hmm, I yeah. kind of believe him now. That's how it goes. And then you'll hear the, the crown go. And then you might be brought back to a place of, uh-huh, okay, I never thought of it that way. But don't forget, while Mr. Smitch did say in one of his texts to his girlfriend, you know, I'll see in a couple of hours, Mr. Millard text to Christina Nubda on May 6th at 740, uh, said, 
uh, going on a mission. If it goes badly, I'll be home in two hours. If it goes well, I'll be, it'll be an all-nighter. Yeah. I mean, so these things mm. will all be brought out by the Crown to counter both sides. Like, both Millard's team and Smith's team have to be careful that they don't do more damage to their client. Right. The Crown doesn't have to worry about that. They will go for both on equal grounding. And they will bring out those texts, and they will bring out, they need to prove to this jury that there was a plan in place to steal a truck and kill and, and, and the inc- I mean, look, the incinerator goes a long way. Who buys an incinerator? Yeah, I yeah, mean, who yeah. in their, who? I don't, I know a lot of farmers who don't have this kind of equipment. It's not mm-hmm. cheap, for one. And it's huge. And it's like, you'd have to have a pretty big farm. Yeah, a lot yeah. of big livestock to want to have something like that. It's not just something that you would burn garbage in. So, uh, we have heard. what happens as we move into this yeah. afternoon? Uh, Smitch's lawyer continues? Yeah, Dungey will go, and I don't anticipate he will be much longer. He had hoped to finish up by lunch. And then we do not hear anything from the Crown today. We will go um, into the Crown tomorrow. And then if they go a little bit longer, they'll get a little bit of time on Friday. If not, I'm pretty sure we're not sitting Friday. Then we get uh, gear up for the, the um, charge. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we go into deliberations, which I expect may start end of next week. Uh, so what do you, what will we, do you feel we'll have accomplished by the end of this week? Closing arguments. Closing, and then they'll, and then they'll charge the jury after that. Yes, but this is all the nail-biter stuff. This is like the last impression these lawyers leave with this jury. This is their last time at bat. It is the last time they can say, hey, please think about this. Yeah. And so it's important. It's important that they, they you know, dot every I, cross every T. There is no room for error at this point because they don't get another kick of the can. Alex Pearson has been with us covering, of course, the Tim Bosman murder trial. And at this point, uh, Smitch's lawyer uh, in closing arguments. Alex, as always, thanks for the time. We'll chat again tomorrow. My pleasure, sir.